You've played the missions, but do you really know the lore? We are here to be your guides, your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 40, recorded September 29th, 2019. This day's topic is our season of Undying Prep, and this will be our last one on the Vex. Tonight, I'll be your host. This is Hyven. I am Elemist. I'm Mrs. Hyven. <laughs> we welcome you all to the podcast. Podcast news. Standard, straightforward um, notes. Please uh, send us feedback. At uh, We have the Twitter, at Guardians underscore Lore. The email, at Guardians underscore Lore at Outlook.com. And, of course, you can send us reviews anywhere that you listen to your podcast. I mean, we appreciate all the love we all seem to always get, along with any advice that you guys might have for your listening pleasure. Also, we are going to alter our schedule just slightly. Uh, we're going to have a short episode in between Chronicon and Most Loyal. Uh, I will also be off for an episode. So we're going to... I'm going to town for work, so we will be preparing a, a little mini-sode. We're going to be trying to back catalog some of these for times like this where someone's gone or it's, you know, we take a vacation or something like that. So um, our, our our schedule might change a little bit, but look forward to, we're still covering Chronicon, Most Loyal, and in between there we're going to be doing, I don't know if we decided what yet, but it might be an exotic of some sort. The lore on an exotic, yeah. I do believe, we think we decided. It's okay. When I'm gone, we should have a special guest to replace me, so you won't even know I'm gone. We... Yeah, I'm excited about that. It's going to be two me girls gone. and one boy. We're going to flip it up. Two guys, a girl, and a podcast? A couple puppies. Guys, speaking of two guys, a girl, and a podcast, I got compared to Penny this weekend. <laughs> so that would make you guys my Leonard and Sheldon. She was like, so you're just like the hot girl who comes in and asks random questions because you don't really know what's going on. I was like, I mean, I'm not as skinny and I'm not as blonde, but yeah. And they're also not as bad as Leonard and Sheldon. <laughs> but let's be but real. I started, to that. I started thinking, yeah, no, I, I started thinking I, about it. I am a great Sheldon. If I'm Penny, that would have to make Hyven Leonard. So then, Elmish, you'd have to be Sheldon. But then that would make the pretty girl Amy Farrah Fowler. And I just started thinking quite a bit on this. And then that makes me and the pretty girl besties. No, and then uh, I was okay uh, with all of it. But if we had to choose, yeah, I think he'd be, he's Leonard and I'm Sheldon. Anyway, this is weird. Anyway, now that we are derailed. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where I was. Stuff you missed in Destiny. Uh, th- this past week, we have had mayhem. Um, and, of course, that almost always seems to have Valor boosting, which is fun and really easy to rank up your Valor a couple times. I did it in, like, a day to get some Masterwork cores. I'm playing with some buddies. happen to have a buddy who is ranked 29, I do believe, in the world for ELO score. Oh, so you went down, huh? Oh, well, no. He's probably gone up since then. Somehow, he plays a crapload of Mayhem for farming uh, cores. This is Star Killer. He's got, yeah, Destiny Tracker. He is like rank something crazy for Mayhem. Mayhem. That's my gets cousin, me... y'all. Whoop whoop. 
I get a little bored off of Mayhem because the matches are so fast and you just just super like crazy. But it is a great way to uh, farm some some Crucible tokens, some Masterwork cores this week. Um, so, so funny note, there was actually one match that I was last week. with a a clanmate named Mr. Pickles, and he was on his Warlock Nova Bomb. Quite literally, he sat in the spawn just throwing Nova Bombs on Equinox. He got a Ghost in the Night. It's the way to do it, man. <laughs> I'm just too. I I try to run around there like playing, like I, I you know I use like my weapons and stuff. I'm like I got a headshot with a hand cannon. Hand cannon kills extra points. And everyone's like, nope. No, I just get truth. And anytime I see like a super coming through that I know I can't always one shot with blade barrage because like sentinels will throw up their shield and you can't one shot them. I just uh fire off a rocket and then super. So I'm always double dosing with the with the shots. But yeah, mayhem. It's over by now. I By the time you're listening know what to this, Mayhem is. I don't think I've ever uh, heard of Mayhem. You, you would appreciate instant supers, instant abilities. Yes. Instant heavy. The map is not really about KD. It doesn't even actually tell you what your KD is at the end. It tells you how many supers you cast, how many people you killed, the longest streak you went before you died. Um, you'd actually probably like it. We maybe we'll get into it a little bit before uh, it's gone. I think you would have good practice with your super. But there's also an infamy boost if you uh, prefer Gambit. Um, so, yeah, by the time you're listening to it, that stuff's already pretty much passed, um, and you don't care anymore, because <laughs> Shadow Keep's about to drop. So we also got our patch notes, uh, we had our last TWAB, um, we're not really gonna go over that, because, yeah, I mean, you're gonna see the actual patches in a couple hours. So, lucky you, because I gotta wait a couple days still. <laughs> um, but Shadow Keep and Season of Dying drops just mere hours after our episode will be dropping. And we yeah, can't so... tell you what's happening. You know, normally we'll say what's going to happen to Destiny. We'll try to prepare you for the week ahead. Shadow Keep. <laughs> we don't know much more other than just play Shadow Keep, guys. There's no special things going on. There's just going to be a lot of fun. But yeah, so... if your download queue is super long, <laughs> listen to us while you wait. Yeah. I pre-downloaded already for uh, uh, Steam, so I'm hopefully pro. I have two. It's really weird, though. I have, like, two versions of Destiny downloaded on my PC right now because I still got it through Blizzard. It's super weird. Oh, yeah, I've seen some really funny memes about it. I heard you like Destiny, so we gave you a second game of Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep, I'm looking forward to that. I think we all are. All right, well, let's move right into Mrs. Hyven's question, thought, experiment. <laughs> Sanity Corner slash listener Q and A. Um, since you'll have both of yes, those, yeah, I do. All right. So my questions are pretty basic. First of all, when Just, did the EDZ actually come into play? Because they were reading some lore that had something to do with the EDZ in it, and they were like speculating what the EDZ stood for. Like they didn't know, and I was like, it's there. It's a Destiny Two there. location only. Wasn't in okay. Just referenced in cards before. I did not know that. Yeah, there was only references before Destiny 2. You know, that was the electronic dance zone. Yeah. Um, That's where all the best raves were. I guess my next question, how do Exos really die? Because the whole point of Exos was so that rich people could live on forever, and then they were eventually kind of made into war machines. I don't know why, because I thought I heard you talking about this in a party the other day, but I thought your question was going to be about guardians making babies. Um, look, we were talking about that in the <laughs> yeah. party the other day, and if Guardians are sterile because that's not, like, a war, like, necessity, 
Um, but that's a whole different headcanon that we got into pretty deep in the party. If anybody wants to discuss this, hit me up on Twitter. We can have <laughs> conversations. But let's go back to my actual question about, uh, about exos dying. Because they well, were created so that people could live forever. So you're thinking is why couldn't Cade, for example, just be uploaded to a fresh body with Cade 7? Which is well, what a lot of people said for a that, long time. But like, if they're meant to live forever, I think like you, they shouldn't. So well, I, I know other people who I'm not I, who have probably have more knowledge on the topic at the moment. Um, I have a better answer for you. I know I've seen some videos about people talking about like you know Kate can't come back for this reason or that. But for me, it would be remember the Deepstone Crypt is kind of like their reboot. It would be like you resetting a computer. If you lost the file, you can't really reboot it. And however, I would assume that the Deepstone Crypt would have some baseline file of every exo's memory and i would imagine that you could bring an exo back just based off of maybe their last download or reboot i um, think also like, like i don't understand why between reboots they lose memory then either because... that's because of like defragging if you elemist yeah you've discussed described this before pretty well I don't know. I think, it's, but my thing is, is basically you've got external hard, like an external um, hard drive, right? And if I'm plugging it into any computer, it should upload just fine. All of the documents, all of whatever should upload just fine. Like, it's not like I'm downloading a new Windows program. I'm downloading what's from this external hard drive. Yes, but with age, there comes some degradation. Um or at least that's that's how I'm looking at it. The more you access the files, the likelier it will more be. More likeliest? Most likeliest. Um, <laughs> but the higher the, the likelihood of, of the file starting to miss some bits. Yeah, we see I that with Banshee. So my question is, are you saying... What exactly would be your question? Sorry, two examples. I just are you saying, don't wait, understand I, why exos die. They because, don't. Like, they well, do. no, so, like... They get so, killed. They get destroyed. Yeah. My question, real quick, is just, are you talking, like, Banshee shouldn't be a crazy old bat, or Cage should be able to come back to life? I don't I think guess. either of those. I think it's more of, like, how did Cade die before even becoming a Guardian? Yes. Oh, he didn't die. That is where this thought came from. Oh, but, but like, okay. He didn't die. He that, was reset. That would be for all Exos, then. Oh, yeah, okay. because oh. exos who were guardians had to have died first to have become guardians. That is where the thought came from. I couldn't remember because I didn't write it all down. Yes, Elmas gets me. Okay, so okay, now that changes. What... So you're saying, how did the exos die in order to how do how do we have exo guardians? How did they yes. die to start with? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, well, the <sighs> same you. way a guardian can still die, crazy circumstances. Um, you know, if an exo got shot blown a hole in its hard drive um, if there's nobody there to collect him and reboot him uh, he basically just exos who kind of just like died in the middle of nowhere and nobody grabbed them and made a next number yeah and also there's the argument that like I forget exactly what the reasoning is but that uh, someone like Cade couldn't come back because it's rebooting is not the exact same as their original birth as an exo um I'm trying to look stuff up now, but 
wasn't expecting this question. We are definitely going to have to dive into the exos. But yeah, we'll save that for exo talk. But <laughs> I was a, listening to an an exo um, podcast. Yeah, episode. Yeah. Yeah, but just know that exos have to get rebooted because um, of the acronym that I can never remember. D E R. D E R. Basically, when they put a human consciousness in an exo body, um, the first time they tried to do it, basically they didn't require the exo to sleep, eat, drink, any of that kind of stuff. And the human mind just rejected it because it felt so wrong that people basically kind of just drove themselves crazy and insane and they died. Um, so what they did is that's why exos, you see them have desires, eat, act like they eat, sleep, drink, all that kind of stuff. You know, Cade drinks all the time, but he talks about how he can't get drunk. Um, he yeah, knows that's that. another thing. They talked about Exos being able to get drunk, and I was like, but they can't. Well, at the time, but we I think that sure, might have been, now... like, before having enough information, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, basically, they, they, they did this so that way they would be able to feel more comfortable in their um, Exo bodies. However, they still found that binds would still deteriorate over time and that they needed to be defragged, like a hard drive, or basically rebooted and kind of adjusted their memories. We're not also sure. The Deepstone Crypt seems a little bit of a uh, mind control tactic also. We're told that it happens because it helps Exos um, keep everything kind of together and not go crazy. Um, but we also see there's a little bit of a erasing of memories at times, it appears. So that's kind of what's up with Exos as far as how they're guardians. I would assume it's like when you lose your uh, something somewhere and... Someone else finds it, a.k.a. your ghost. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's enough a, for that. You had a point. Oh, sorry. Did you have more? Oh, I, I was just going to go off of the whole, like, the DER bit. Because, like, that's what we are told, but it's but the ones telling us that are Clovis Bray, the ones yeah. who do the brainwashing. Exactly. That's what I was saying. We don't know exactly if it's mandatory. So right, it's I feel like, like everything we learned about Exos, like, we kind of have to take with, like, a grain of salt. Pretty much. Because <laughs> it's like, hey, we do this so that it helps you. But really, in the background, we're just controlling you like puppets. Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough for my question. Now, moving on to this week's listener yeah. Q&A. Um, okay. So, this week, it's from Joey. Joey Controla. Her Twitter BFF. His question is... Since Forsaken is coming to a close, you know, the shadow keep dropping, in your own personal opinion, who would you have rather had died instead of Kate 6? Or were you okay with Kate 6 dying? Yeah. I have opinions on this, but I'll go last. I do too. I think we all do. Who okay, then. This yeah. is your um, listener Q&A section you choose. Um, Alamus. That was you. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm all right with Cade dying, which, I mean, it, it's ironic because he's the one NBC that I feel closest to. But, like, it had to happen for a re- for reasons. And, like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to articulate all of this because, like, <laughs> I was, was closest to that character because of his personality. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I saw myself there even though I wasn't a hunter. Um, but, like, Destiny is trying to go into a more serious realm, and they had to 
like the one way to do that is to get rid of the comedy relief. I'd say yes and no. I wouldn't see necessarily them killing him off with for like more of a serious. For me, I think I think this was a big step for Destiny, not because I guess yes, a little getting rid of the com- comedic relief, but also like I feel like Kay just became such a bigger character than they were expecting, like such a huge part and yeah. like fan favorite and like basically the whole then they kind of like built on it and kind of played it up and then i think they realized for them to continue to progress they couldn't just keep using like this crutch of a character um because i mean he was a great character and he was super likable but you couldn't just continue to build on the character who was literally originally just put in there for comedic relief. Sorry, one more thing. Okay, because you guys are saying very similar things, and I agree some. And I think, personally for me, I'm okay with Kay dying because I think it was a really big move on Destiny's part to let their other characters grow and their other characters shine because one of the things we do here is we get to see all of this amazing lore behind all these characters And it really gave them an opportunity to show off their other characters who were otherwise kind of cast aside by people because they were so attached to Cade. I wanted to comment. I agree with some of your things, but not all. I do agree that Cade was the best character to kill off for story purposes. But I do not agree with the fact that you guys are kind of, hopefully not putting words too much in your mouth, but think that he needed to be killed off for the story to develop as far as like, he was an old kind of story, and they want to move on to different fields. Not an fields. old story, but I think everyone was so attached but, to him. That's all everybody wanted. Mm, oh, yes, a little bit. But no, let me let me go over. Since you never played Destiny One, there, Hunt. I if you if you so basically the way it worked was in Destiny One, Cade was kind of our only flushed out, developed character. And I've heard other people talk about this before. I'm kind of just taking some thoughts from others, right? Um, Taken King, he really was played up. And yeah, his comedy made everyone love it. You know, Destiny was much more of a fun, you know, kind of a goofy kind of thing, like you're saying. And I understand what Elements is saying. They wanted to change the feel. But what it was is, I think this was kind of the plan. They developed Cade. He was kind of the only developed character. He became, like, our favorite best friend. So when, you know, E2 came out, and they were like, okay, you know, we have got everyone kind of locked into this character, locked into the feel of this game. This is about, you know, Gaul coming and us losing our light and, you know, all this stuff. It, it was just kind of supposed to be a darker story. I think it was always planned to be more intense. They killed Kadoff because he was the most developed character. If they had to kill it off any other character, we probably wouldn't feel the same as we did for Kade. So in order yeah. to make it a darker story, they kill it off the one character who, like, meant something to people. And so I don't think it was because he was comical and then they needed to kill him off. It was that they killed off the character who had purposely been developed for us to love. And you notice now they've developed other characters in his absence. We have Zavala and Ikora. We have conversations between them. We're getting their feelings. I mean, uh, the cutscene when Cade's laying there dead between Ikora and Zavala and their differing opinions, or just the, how they feel about us going kind of rogue to, to, to get vengeance, or even our own character being flushed out in that hole vengeance kind of thing it was it's an opportunity you know we got drifter we got anor 
we got you know Callus. We got all these characters that we're um, they're, they're able. Levante. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and why not all of it's darker? These characters are kind of serious, and it all kind of was sparked by the death of like that better than, you know, like the best of us kind of character. Cade yeah. was kind of like that best of us character. He was funny, he was happy, but we knew that he was serious down there in the end. And as we have commented in the past episode, he would do anything to help the people he cared about. When he lost his light, he planned a suicide mission to go take out Gaul. Yeah. And so what it was is for me, I think that the reason they chose Cade is because he just, he was the best character to do it with. And so that's why I think I agree with you guys that Cade, it kind of had to be Cade. But I don't know if it's because, you know, you can't have comedy in a serious section of the game. I I think it's not that you can't have comedy. It changes the feeling. Yeah. It it hurts more when you lose that person that you. Because I love Cade, but I didn't love Cade because he was a goofball. I love Cade because of the internal struggle that I understood that he was always going through. And I related to as someone who, you know, you have your own problems and you kind of just put on a face sometimes to make everyone else happy. And that's kind of what Cade was. He was a complex character. And I think that's why it like meant so much. So I just wanted to make that point that I don't know it was like Bungie, like, all right, we kind of got to throw this character out. It was more of a, we built this character up. So when he died, you know, we were going to be kind of like outraged. Mm-hmm. And I think it was perfect. So I think Cade was the best person to kill yeah. for story. For my second part, I do have someone I would prefer if they had have killed, actually. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I think... And not because I don't like them or, you know, I'm not going to take like the cop on answer and like, oh, they should have killed like Ikora because nobody likes warlocks. No, I think that someone they could have killed off that still would have had some like feeling would be uh, actually Banshee. I think as weird as Banshee, Banshee is as a character, kind of small, and incon- you know, he seems kind of small. Everyone kind of talked to him. We always were like, poor Banshee. He's not all there after all his resets. Um, but especially how do you write D2. that into the storyline? Banshee doesn't do anything. Um, I think you could have. He could have like died in the tower. I don't know. Yeah, I think but Banshee Cade's would have been kind of cool. Was also so epic. Because I think that I would have appreciated having Cade still here for other moments because he's such a a great character. But you know what? You know, that's the best like books and movies when your favorite character dies, you continue on because you wanna you feel it the most. Yeah, no, I think a character who could die that I would still, like, feel slash... I think if Banshee died, it would kind of be, like, be a little, like, torn up and, confu- like, worried about the... You know, or sad, I should say. But then I'd kind of, like, you'd get over that one a little faster and, like, be like, yay, we still have all our characters. I think we're all still a little sad about Yeah. Because <clears throat> poor Banshee is, like, destroyed when Cade dies. It was, like, his best friend. When you turn in the Ace of Spades, well, he, um, literally, because he's... Oh. And Exo losing his because he's had so many resets he doesn't remember. Because he doesn't remember. He literally in one sentence talks about how he's kind of misses Cade, and then he goes blank for a second and asks, "Hey, have you seen Cade around?" And it's mm-hmm. like pretty sad. And I think they've kind of flushed out Banshee a little bit more with his idle dialogue in D two. I kind of feel for him a little bit more now. We've also turned in a lot of stuff to him for like quests, and uh, he's going to be a bigger part I think in a uh, in the new DLC too because we're going to go to him for a lot of the new currencies and things. Anyway, that's my thought on it. A long, drawn-out thought. You got me. Yeah, she should, should have started with me. I would have been shorter, I think, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joey, there's your answer. Also, I did find a quick overview why people think that like someone like Cade couldn't come back. Um, I think I did know this. That's just I'm not 100% sure 
that we have enough information. Basically, what it comes down to is uh, with a ghost, a guardian can be revived as much as possible. Uh, you know, if the ghost dies, the guardian dies. Um, so basically, Cade gets shot, his ghost dies, no res. However, with an Exo, according to the lore, this is true. Uh, they only reboot for malfunction slash corruption of some sort of software error. Uh, they talked once again about restoring a PC to, you know, factory settings. Um, factory settings don't help when the computer's been destroyed, and which is true. From what we know, the Deep Stone Crypt is only a reboot. Um, so in that thinking, Hague couldn't be brought back because you can't reboot him. However, I just feel that we don't know enough about the Deep Stone Crypt, I would imagine, because this is just how computers work, that you back up the original files. You can't tell me that they put his consciousness into an EXO and didn't like save a copy of that somewhere for when he got corrupted and like failed a couple first couple times. You know what I'm saying? So in my mind, I think yep. that they have the Deep Stone Crypt holds is a giant. Also, I think it's an also a giant database. Um, if that was the case, we could see a K7. But based off what we know, they only reboot, and with that logic, that's why EXOs die. Does that kind of answer right. your question for that too, Ms. It Ivan? does. Yes, it does. Based off what we know. But one day we'll get the Deep Stone Grip, man. One day. <laughs> well, it's on Enceladus. That's my one actual piece of lore that I think I'm looking forward to, to the most. I really want to know, man. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jay, for the question. That was a good one. We got a lot of discussion in there. They told me I couldn't stay on topic, but I can rant like a boss any day. Oh, yeah. I might not want to listen to it, but I can do it. <laughs> all right you guys ready to move on or any other thoughts or uh okay. episode information we need to give out i'm good yes you are and elements is not green today he's looking beautiful with his new webcam <laughs> all right our brief intro into the topic um so tonight today i don't even know why i say tonight because you're not listening to it at night you know what this morning this afternoon this evening or this night we're going to be talking about the Vex, um, and they are mechanical beings that are trying to basically snuff out the light and the darkness, really just kind of everything. Their goal is just anything that could kill the Vex needs to go. Uh, their end goal is just to survive, because they're kind of paracausal and can travel through time. They can see, like, they're like Doctor Strange in the uh, Avengers movie, where he, like, checks every timeline and finds one where everything goes well. It's kind of what the Vex have done, and they are trying to make everything work for the timeline where they last forever. Um, and then we're also going to be covering a little bit of the Black Garden, which is kind of like a at least a holy place kind of thing for the Vex, if not the origin for where we see them. Um, that's kind of also what the, the trailer kind of showed. They came through the Black Garden. Um, but we'll get into that. We don't know a ton about the Black Garden. We got a little bit of information. We will not be covering everything about the Vex. We will not be covering any specific stories or really any order. Um, there are so many individual stories of the Vex, along with just so much. Vex are kind of like one of the first. We probably have, we almost have more about the Vex than I think we do the Hive, just less organized because of the yeah. whole Books of Sorrow thing. So. This is just really going to be entry level for people who are, want to know a little bit more about the Vex and Black Garden as we get into the new DLC. Um, so, without further ado, I hope I covered that overview well enough. We'll move into the readings.
Sounds good to me. All right, All right. I think I'm up first. I think you are too. All right, this one is just titled The Vex. All right, so the tagline reads, Living Metal, Incomprehensible Intelligence. The Vex are architects of ancient and complex structures thought to be buried within every celestial body, linked by a network unlike any on Earth. They operate in unison, directed by a single unfathomable purpose. Not much to unpack there, aside from the fact that, you know, these structures are within every celestial body. We see it on Venus, Mercury, uh, Mars. Yeah, it just feels so, like if you were to, like, Google, like, definition of Vex, this is what would pop up. <laughs> pretty much. What you got, Hyven? Um, Yeah, I just want to comment on that, too. Really, just the point that they are complex structures thought to be buried within every celestial body. So how old must they be to be buried in every planet? Uh, You know, we see Vex, like, growing moss on them that they can just sit inactive for long periods of time. Um, That's creepy. So just keep in mind that, like, whatever the Vex are, they've just kind of always been there. It's kind of what it's like. Kind of crazy. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Um, well, I'm happy with that. <laughs> uh, we the next thing we have is just some of the vex types that we're given in game. Um, it's, uh, we're just gonna read off a couple of those. Um, and this is not every type of vex. But this is just some of the ones that we have seen. And really, they're kind of like classes. Vex are actually like divided into different groups in the same way Cabal have their like military groups. Um, what is Dude, the word? What I was Cabal? Their ranks. To an episode on Cabal. It was prey. The Vex have those also. Remember, they are kind of like a single hive mind, but they're still kind of divided. So we have some examples of the Hezen Corrective, which we see on Venus. The Virgo Prohibition, which is found on Mars. We have the Soul Divisive. We saw them in the Black Garden. Uh, we have Precursors or the Soul Primeval. Those were in the Vault of Glass, and those were found in the past in the Vault of Glass. If you've ever done the Vault of Glass, you travel through time. And the Hezen Protective were also in the Vault of Glass. We saw them representing present. And the Descendants, or the Soul Eminent, which is also in the Vault of Glass, and they represented the future. So if you're confused by that, the Vault of Glass is kind of like their hub of all space-time, and we traveled through a couple portals to the past and the present. Yep. Some people called them Mars-Venus. Some people called them past present. They were actually past present. Um, yeah, so keep in mind, they have a lot of groupings. Uh, I don't know how much we're going to get into those groupings, but the, yeah, I think Focus Fire Chat might have done an episode just discussing the individual classes and kind of some of their significance and stuff like that. Um, so go ahead and see if you can find that on their, their feed yeah. if you want to further in, dive into individual classes, because we're not doing that right now. We will eventually. But right now we are focused on the basic Vex and the Black Garden. Right now we're focusing our fire. Oh, man, I don't know. It's and may fun. your light shine bright. All right. All right. I'll be covering Goblin. Tagline reads, all their joints turning together, moving together towards you. The Goblin is the basic unit in the vast computational network that is the Vex, shattering the large, fan-shaped head does not seem to cause lasting damage, but sends the goblin into a crackling frenzy. All right. It's probably the most familiar of the Vex, the basic goblins. Um, 
I'm just going to say, unlike, like, the Hive, you know, Thrall are so kind of, like, Thrall are, like, I don't know how to put this, they're, like, less basic than basic. They're, like, <laughs> even for the Hive, they're, like, such throwaway individuals. It's almost like, for me, goblins would be closer to, like, acolytes. Um, but, like, they're, that is, but they are, the, does that make sense? Like, they still well, have a little, they're not just, like, mass suiciding in the same way Thrall are just there for. The Hive don't really oh. have that. Well, sorry, the Vex don't have that except for their, like, suicide harpies. So so the thing to remember is that there is an equivalent enemy class for every race. So, like, we've got Goblin, Thrall, Dreg, and Legionary. Um, and they're all, like, the same red bar class. I still think that Goblins and Acolytes are kind of on the same level maybe not and and i disagree simply because of how they attack they're very similar they stand back and shoot you know what i'm saying you know what actually i figured it out goblins are a combination of thrall and acolytes when they got their heads on as we see in this car they just fight like an acolyte would when you blow off their heads they chase you like thrall that's kind of how they feel like to me but yeah the vex have always been fun because when you do the first raid, which is Vex-themed, and you're shooting them in the stomach and the juice box forever, you move into the next raid and you got to remind yourself to aim for the head because you can't shoot Vex in the head. And in D1, Minotaurs and things like that, they didn't even have crit spots. So uh, Vex are definitely a very interesting organism. It was kind of cool for Bungie to put their crit spot kind of in their, their abdomen. Um, yep. So yeah, don't shoot a Vex's head off. They just get angry. Aim for the juice box. That's right. But yeah, based off of what I feel, these are the lowest of the totem pole for the most part. Yep. Um, next is Hobgoblins. And that the card of our Hobgoblins reads, The air by my cheek twanged twice, stinking of ozone, before I saw it. Specialized for sniping, this lean, tough Vex model is fitted with improvised optic, optics and acute centers in its horns. Like the goblin, the hobgoblin contains a milky radiolorian fluid. Attacking a hobgoblin often triggers a defensive reflex. The hobgoblin seals itself in stasis and waits for help. Like it was talking about. I'm like, no, 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 no. You started shooting at me, so when I decided to shoot back, you don't get to do that, buddy. <laughs> See, now, the reason I think hobgoblins and acolytes are closer together is because of the, the sniping. Oh, see, now I was just about to compare them to knights, because them and knights both put up their shield and go immune. But see, I consider knights more like minotaurs. I don't really think you actually have a direct comparison, really, when I really think about it. I'm trying to, like, make the comparison as far as, like, you know, like, in-game, as far as, like, which, like, health bars and that kind of stuff. But I don't even think Bestany does it. Like, legionaries, even though they're the lowest of the cabal, um, they take, like, two shots with hand cannons usually, whereas, like goblins and acolytes take one so i don't know if Bungie really gave them like an exact order really when i think about it i think you could kind of argue multiple ways yeah i'm just looking at it like rank wise Mm -hmm. yeah as far as the totem pole you're you're definitely right like the importance once again though you got to think like so so when we talked about the hive we talked about how basically when you're at the lowest 
of the totem pole, you got to work your way up, kind of just, you grow, you know, you take the light that you've taken, you, you know, you feed and you grow. Goblins and hobgoblins, and, and same thing, with like Fallen, you got like dregs, they've had their arms ripped off. They're like, they're viewed as the lowest. You got to remember that like Vex, there is not like really like a hierarchy. They are all part of kind of like a hive mind. So it's not like the rest of the Vex look down on goblins. Um, it's more of a they have their use. Yeah, I feel like it's like the larger culty, like everyone has their purpose to play kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they are, as we talked, I mean, hive mind. I don't mean tied into the hive. I mean, they are one kind of consciousness, all function at the same time. And yeah, we have the reference to their milky radiolorian fluid. I do believe we'll talk about a little bit more later. The Vex milk. All right, why don't I move on to Harpy? It says, It swam back and forth through the air, spinning the single red eye looking. I realized, for me. The fastest and most mobile vex, the Harpy, is an airborne unit often deployed in flocks on patrol and scouting missions. They must stop and stabilize before attacking. Unless they're suicide. Right. Uh, supplicants. <laughs> um... So I I like fighting harpies because a lot of the time they'll just sit you know sit right there and shoot at you and it's like can we just play target practice? It's really true. Like they can like overwhelm if there's a lot of them because they kind of are just like little mini turrets, but they don't like run and hide for cover. They'll just like move around and then when they stop, they kind of literally just like open up and give you that nice crit spot. Just as it Although says, they... they like stabilize before attacking. Although they do barrel rolls. They do. When they're moving around, they're harder to hit. The second they stop and open up to start shooting at you, it's just like, ah, yes. The easiest crit spot. Yeah, not much to say for them. Other than, as we mentioned, there are classes of harpies that are like suicide bombers. There are also classes of of goblins that are suicide bombers. The fanatics. It's true. They're missing their heads. Yeah. That's just kind of what happens, I guess. It's like they understood that they could just supercharge. That's kind of horrible when I think about it. I see some Minotaur in the background just, like, ripping the heads off the goblins and injecting them, like, in their radiolorian fluid with a little bit of, like, steroids and just sending them off. <laughs> you got well, this. And, like, and, like <laughs> the fanatics would end up being, like, the cursed thralls. They really are. You're right. They're the worst I mean, I... in the Vault of Glass because if you touch them, you get that stupid debuff that will uh, kill you. You're going to go crazy. Yeah. Don't let the fanatics touch you. And on that note, speaking of minotaurs, I'll be covering minotaur. I thought it was at a safe distance. I was wrong. Minotaurs pack brutal heat, but most of their processing power is devoted to the physics of building massive vex complexes, suspected to extend through multiple dimensions. Minotaur models are thicker and harder to crack than any other bipedal Vex. And they use their teleportation capability aggressively. All right. So as we mentioned before, Minotaurs are heavy duty. In D1, they didn't even have a crit spot. So um, Yeah. And in D2, you have to take shields down before you can hit their crit spot. It doesn't give you crit damage like it used to in D1 over shields. But yeah, man, they're pretty heavy duty. And the only thing I wanted to comment, this is something that was brought about a long time ago speculation on what the original purpose of the Vex was. Minotaurs, it mentions that while they have a weapon that hurts, 
Um, for the most part, they're devoted to the physics of building massive Vex complexes. So most of the Vex, their weapons are actually, um, they actually double uses as uh, tools for building. Just so, I mean, and it, it's mentioned in Minotaurs, but for the most part, the Vex aren't blowing you up. They're just like building, they're, con they're doing things like converting Nessus in like no time or Mercury and that kind yeah. of thing. Um, so, so Vex are kind of like the builders, um, but they also, of course, can defend themselves. So it makes you think, what was their original purpose? And we'll kind of get into that a little bit when we talk about, I think, like the Pujari cards. Anything else on Minotaurs? They teleport around like captains and they're annoying. I mean, they like really would just like teleport behind you and smack you in the face. Or right when you try to throw a grenade, they're like, oops, miss. Oh my god, yes. <clears throat> or when you shoot a rocket at them and they're like, oh. I swear they have great time. Like their timing, it seems like the game has like a code. As soon as you pull the trigger, they know to like teleport. <laughs> yeah. Because they'll be, they'll stand there for like a long period of time if you're not doing anything, and then the second you shoot, they teleport, and then you throw a grenade and they teleport again. And I'm like, you were just there's no like there is no like time. It's not like every five seconds they teleport. It's no, it's whenever you try to hurt them that they teleport, man. <laughs> well, because they've already seen that timeline, they know. <laughs> That's right. Right, our next card is Hydra. Our shots dissolved in the translucent matrix around it. Useless. The Hydra is a miniature fortress. Despite its physical slowness, it is a rapid processor of the data fed to it by other Vex. And what it lacks in mobility, it makes up for in, in impregnable defenses and rock-melting firepower. So there's that. Not to mention, when you kill them, and you forget that they explode afterwards, and you try to oh run my God, all through, yes. I've done that more <laughs> times than I care to admit. Like, everyone knows me as the guy who runs through the Hydra and blows up. <laughs> and, like, especially if there's something that comes up from the Hydra, like an engram. Menagerie? Where they drop the balls? Oh my god, yes. I've perfected where I, I've made it my goal now to try to slide as a hunter. I'll try to slide in, pick up the ball, ball and like shade step out before it explodes. And I've succeeded a couple times. And it makes me feel good because in D1 <laughs> there was like a strike where the Minotaur is standing like right at the stairs where you got to get past. And after you kill it, I just immediately speed run up the stairs to continue on the mission. And I always blew up. It didn't matter how many times I did it. I never learned. <clears throat> Man, Hydras get me. Not to mention, they also have shields all around them, yep. and they have been strike bosses and uh, raid bosses, um, so they're pretty high up there in terms of power. And we see why, though. They're basically giant processors. They are given all of the data from the Vex to kind of parse out to other Vex, um, so that would explain why they kind of know what they're doing. They got a lot of the data from some of the smaller Vex. They know when they're needed, where to be, um, so that's why they're it's more. It's like they are more intelligent because they have more of the information. Like everything goes to them first before it's passed out, kind of thing. Yep. I think the only thing we didn't talk about, we don't have on here, is like cyclopses. Otherwise, I think we really covered everything. Well, and even those then, are just giant laser beams. Cyclopses weren't in D1. Nope. So there yep. wasn't a Grimoire card for it. Yep. That's what I was just gonna mention. They're basically just giant laser beams. And they freak out when you shoot them too much. I love when they just I, like... I think it's more like giant cannons. Yeah, they really are cannons. They don't shoot solid lasers. That would be really scary. 
Maybe in those new uh, Nightfalls. You seen any of the videos for the new Nightfalls we're getting in Shadowkeep with like Cheap ogres one. shooting their eye blast, the unstoppable ogres, and I can imagine Cyclops is being in there. Yeah. All right. Well, that finishes up the class of Vex. Let's move on. Mrs. Hyven, I think you have our next card. <clears throat> yes, but I pronounce that P word. Pyramidian. Pyramidian. There we go. All right. If you channel your inner Ashramir, you can say it better. Just I'm kidding. kidding. He just he He's ran. The Pyramidian. Up. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> ghost scan Pyramidian IO number three. And this is the ghost talking. The Vex calibrate their weapons depending on the tactics of their enemies. Not sure where they got the idea about lasers, but you can't say it's not effective. All right. So this is just short and sweet. Helps to appreciate that uh, Vex weaponry is just decided on what's needed. In the same way you'll grab the weapon that's most effective out of the vault, the Vex, in the same way, can kind of calibrate to be the most effective, which is why they are such a powerful enemy. You guys got anything? And it's a short card. No, it's, it's short. Mm-hmm. Sounds good to me. All right. So next is our Ghost Fragment Vertigo. Type. Post-match report. Parties. One Guardian type class Titan. Associations, Cabal, Floris Basin, Mercury, Crucible, Lord Shax, Mercury, Simulation, Theory, Vertigo, Vex. Audio, unavailable. Transcript follows. Nobody knows what this place is. Not on the record, anyway. But I was talking to a warlock the other night, and he started rambling on about Mercury and Vex, and some mad quantum theory, space-time simulation, running beneath a randomized pattern of Vex math and meant to gauge light and, uh, aggressive refractive something-something. Math is my word, by the way. He was talking warlock and lost me about two sentences in. Anyway, point is, nobody knows what this place is. Talking warlock. My only thing is, this makes a titan sound like he's stupid. Well, I mean, he he talked about quantum theory, space-time simulation. I think it just makes a titan sound like he doesn't have the time to get into the rantings of a warlock. And it's Lord Shaxx, man. He just wants to punch something. <laughs> yeah, it, this is totally like the feeling of like Osiris on Mercury. Yeah. And uh, basically, yeah, the whole idea is just Mercury got turned into a giant Vex world. And these worlds they take over, they basically use them for like computation it's just like a supercomputer uh, yeah and that's that's why osiris can like run simulations and stuff kind of using what he's learned from the vex because the vex are always simulating um, and that's what mercury got turned into it's basically they got upload a ram you got the, a nice processor going in there and they're just yep they're just going through simulations that's what the infinite force is for. Mm-hmm. That's why the whole. That's why it, the in-game, like the lore reason, is why it's always different every time we go in there because it's always simulating different things. Yep. Yeah. We might not have got a ton out of um, Curse of Osiris for lore, but like the implications that could have been there are pretty crazy. Kind of just talking about the Vex and what Mercury really is. So I hope oh, yeah. that one day we get a another another touch at Mercury and the. Um, possibilities that it holds that's kind of what i'm hoping the season after season of undying is about 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it ties it. That would be good for the. I mean, because Mercury is like a big thing. We only ever got Mercury in D one, in um the lighthouse. We went flawless in, in trials. trials of Osiris. And um, like there was crazy stuff in there. Like you would, could go underground and you found like you know these bodies and like this research and stuff that's going on and just we never even got to go to Mercury. So when we got to go to Mercury in D two, we were super hyped to see what was going on. Unfortunately, it was kind of lackluster, but that's not really a. A lore reason, that's kind of just a, a development issue kind of thing, story. But uh, I hope we, we there, just know that Mercury is a big, big planet for the Vex. They basically kind of took over the whole planet. All right. Ms. Ivan, I take us to our next one. Man, my turn to got, read again already. Yeah, there's just a ton of short cards. A lot of this stuff is D1 related, and D1 had a lot of short cards. Oh, I also totally skipped Elemist. <laughs> that's why. I noticed, but it I... Was like, eh, okay. <laughs> there were a lot of cards to write names in. <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, oh, okay. Back to us already. Yeah, because after me actually should have been Elemis. That actually should have been Elemis' card. Whoops. Oh, well. It goes back to normal after this. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read Echo Chamber. The Vex still mourn the loss of the Nexus Mine, but for the Vex, time is relative. In one moment, a construct is lost. And the next, it is reborn. When a powerful part of the network is lost, the restorative mind is summoned. It has begun creating a bridge through time. A bridge that, if it is not destroyed, will see the Nexus mind reborn. By Cora Ray. The restorative mind was the actual strike boss for this, this strike. So was um, the Nexus mind at one point. Right, but it was a er- different Earlier strike. strike. Yep. Yeah. Um. So, like, I, I like seeing the strikes connect in that way, where it's like you do one strike, <clears throat> kill a, a boss, and then the next strike is, oh, because of that, we have this now. I really like the restorative mind strike. That was a, a PlayStation exclusive for a long time. Up until right? year four. And, like, most of the PlayStation stuff that we got, like, wasn't, like, it was kind of, like, last luster, lackluster. I think, like, you know, they kind of, like, didn't, didn't, they didn't make any PlayStation exclusives so amazing that you were just, like, so angry. But I actually really liked this strike when we got it. And I farmed a lot for the hand cannon. And and that was... Mago Loop. That was pretty much it, was the fact that, like, they were PlayStation exclusives, and they know they would have gotten <clears throat> outrage if some of the it exclusives were just amazing. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, Nessus Mine, Nessus Mine was a Hydra strike boss that we took out and then basically when we got the restorative mind strike that's a high that's also a hydra that is yeah you see the power of the vex it's able to just kind of go back to another time and pull the nexus mine out when it used to be alive into current time where it still is alive so we had to go there and kill the restorative mind before that happened granted let's be let's get real there's going to be more than one restorative mine. It's not like we killed that one Vex and we're, we don't have to worry about that anymore. The Vex are like crazy with time and space. You know, they're kind of, they remind me of Guardians in the same way. You know, we talked about Future Workout's version of how Guardians are rezzed. You know, yeah. finding another timeline where you survive and pulling you through or like taking that form. It's a lot what the Vex are like. It's kind of scary the connections the Vex kind of have to the Traveler at some points. And I could get into theory on that. Well, <laughs> but we... well and, and like, 
the thing that I've noticed is that a lot of the the Vex mines are Hydras. Mm-hmm. It's it's fitting that that's what they're called too, since they are really just the the big computing power com, uh, computing power as we just talked about when we discussed Hydras, how all the information is kind of sent to them. So. Yeah. All right. Would you like to read more about the restorative mine? Sounds good to me. I'll be covering Theosion, the restorative mind. Restorative minds are of the weavers, carrying the means to undo any mind's undoing. Ikora Ray. The appearance of the restorative mind purports that the death of the Nexus mind was a devastating blow to Vex's efforts on Venus. But with its appearance comes many questions. If the Vex could unleash time as a weapon against humanity, why does humanity still stand? Are we so insignificant a threat that the Vex haven't bothered with total annihilation? Or is it that the very state of mankind, diminished to a last city, is of Vex doing? That the Vanguard exists in a causal loop that the Vex control in its entirety, one from which there is no escape? All right, so a little bit more just about the restorative mind. And kind of just talking about the fact, it kind of stresses the point that the Vex can see all timelines and that at times they just, we're not dangerous because we're not the ones who are, you know, threatening their total annihilation kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it. you guys are killing me right now. <laughs> I've been trying to finally be serious. No, we're too Finally? Serious. I've been trying to be serious the whole time. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Before the podcast, I wasn't. But... Anyway, Ikora brings out a good point, though. She says, if Vex could unleash time as a weapon against humanity, why does humanity still stand? Are we so insignificant a threat that the Vex haven't bothered with total annihilation? Basically, the Vex are not like the Hive, where they are trying to annihilate all and get the final shape. The Vex only fight things that they view as um, threat to them. problematic. Threatening. Yeah, threatening or problematic to their infinite existence. So sometimes we're nuisance that they need to take care of, but a lot of times they just kind of leave us be. I think we even have actually, we have accounts of the Vex kind of like helping us against like the Hive who were kind of, oh no, sorry. Oh, no, the you're fallen thinking break the, into the vault. You're also thinking of the Taken. Yes, the Taken. That paradox and, mission. Yep, where, yeah, like, yeah, The Vex just opened the vault for us. Yep, there's a couple of them. Yep, exactly. The Taken, and also when um, Skolas tries to take um, some of the power of the Vex, the Vex have actually, like, let us in to clean house because they understood that basically we were not trying to harm them. We were trying to kill the guys who were getting in their way. So they're super, like, um, just, what's the word? They're lit- literally, they're again, they're culty. It's just whatever oh, no. benefits their end goal. I wouldn't even say they're culty. They didn't even introduce like religion and worship until they met the hive. They're pragmatic in the way that like they're opportunists. Whatever is going to be most practical for the end game, they're super, super like logical. There's no emotion. You know, when you read about the hive, it just seems so like dark, brooding, and intense. And the vex. They can like murder a civilization just as like ruthlessly. You know, they'll delete you from time, but they do it in a much more like uh, way. Yeah, I mean, there's not really a lot of motion there. It's just what needs to happen. 
Unless maybe I'm a like vex. Cora said, well, maybe that's super logical. Why we're down to just humanity <clears throat> in the last city, like because we were in their way, but instead of wiping us out completely, they left us with just this. Yeah, there's really no need. When we when we're a thorn in their side, they deal with us. But for the most part, they've seen times where we were needed in order to keep them from being annihilated, and they've actually used our help. So, pretty crazy. Well, and like playing that paradox mission. I take it as, you know, the Vex realize we are the masters of the vault. <laughs> yeah, because we already been through there. No, they just know that we can bust our way in and destroy everything if we wanted to anyway, so they might as well just speed up the whole thing. Right. <laughs> Taking out the vault too many times. Um, all right, well, the next one is the Black Garden Elemist. Do you want to just cover yeah. that Yeah, so we've just finished covering the basic Vex. Now we're going into the, the Black Garden. Um, Aldrin was the very first to find the Black Garden. We will be covering that in the Forsaken Prince lore book because yep, yep. it's, it's a, way it's too long. His whole story, yeah. yeah. But he was the first, for sure, it's actually in a car. He was the first recorded um, Awoken to ever enter into the Black Garden. Him and his buddy, but we'll get into that. Um, but we're not going to go into that. I don't actually think we're going to touch that Black Garden cards. Are we touching that at all? I don't think so. No. No. There is some good stuff Not about that, but we're going to talk about that in a month or so. All right. Well, I'm going to read one of my favorite cards. Legend, the Black Garden. I am Pujari. These are the visions I have had of the Black Garden. The Traveler moved across the face of the Iron World. It opened the earth and stitched shut the sky. It made life possible. In these things, there is always symmetry. Do you understand? This is not the beginning, but it is the reason. The garden grows in both directions. It grows into tomorrow and yesterday. The red flowers bloom forever. There are gardeners now. They came into the garden in vessels of bronze, and they moved through the groves in rivers of thought. This is the vision I had when I leapt from the shores of time and let myself sink. I walked beneath the blossoms. The light came from ahead, and the shadows of the flowers were words. They said things, but I will not write them here. At the end of the path grew a flower in the shape of a ghost. I reached out to pluck it, and it cut me with a thorn. I bled, and the blood was light. The ghost said to me, You are a dead thing made by a dead power, in the shape of the dead. All you will ever do is kill. You do not belong here. This is a place of life. The traveler is life, I said. You are a creature of darkness. You seek to deceive me. But I looked behind me, down the long slope where the blossoms tumbled in the warm wind, and the great trees wept sap like blood or wine. And I felt doubt. When my ghost raised me from the sea, there was a thorn cut in my left hand, and it has not healed since. It feels like he's tripping balls a little bit. Mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> oh, okay. Just a bit. Just a bit. <laughs> you have to explain that first? Yeah, maybe. Just, just a bit. So Pujari is a guardian. He's a warlock. He's a Thanatonaut. They basically kill themselves, and that 
little time between death and res, they sometimes receive visions. Um, LMS, do you want to comment about the whole short where he left off? Yeah. So, going off of what Hyven was saying, they <clears throat> kill themselves in order to map death. Here? So quite. Okay. So quite literally, he's on a crucible map called Shores of Time, which is on Venus. Um, it, it's made a reprise in D2, and I forget what it's actually called Distant now. Distant Shore now. Yeah, that's it's it. It's on Nessus, and it's the same map, but it doesn't have the same like lore implications because it's themed differently. Although it has different lore implications because the Vex are actually recreating their that's creations. That's true. <laughs> on Nessus? Yeah, we won't get into that. I didn't even thought about that. <laughs> But anyway, um, so in Shores of Time, there's a river that it's just full of radioluria, um, the Vex milk. Mm-hmm. No, I know. And so being, of so being a Thanatonaut, he jumps off to kill himself, falls into the Vex milk, and he has this vision. Yep, he literally, he jumps off and lets himself sink. So he kind of drowns himself Vex in Vex milk, practically. Tripping on Vex milk and death. Pretty much. Yeah, and but that seems normal. So yes, this is a vision. However, the thing you need to keep in mind is this wasn't just tripping balls because when he came back, he had the scar on his hand from his vision. And remember, he's a guardian, so they're supposed to be resed in the form that they died in. He has a scar that won't disappear now. Yeah. So whatever vision what? he had had some type of paracausal. Um, action in, in there dun, and this is one of my favorite dun, pujari is actually one of my favorite characters in the game um because i agree with them on a lot of these things um we see he talks about symmetry he's not directly linked to the cemetery in the same way like ulan tan but uh he definitely has got a lot of those theories uh he's a theorist man he he's doing research and stuff he's one of my favorite warlocks but the part i wanted to focus on is basically he sees his vision he's in the black garden so number one he talks about stretches into past and tomorrow so when he goes to pick this flower that took the form of a ghost it cuts him calls him a dead thing made by dead power you will kill basically that's all you're good for and you don't belong here and his response is that the traveler's life you guys are the darkness and you're trying to deceive me however he looks around the black garden and sees that the place is beautiful and peaceful, and that's when he feels doubt. <gasps> so the traveler is not life. Yeah. Traveler. So we see the comparison here that the the garden is literally like a garden of like Eden kind of thing. It's it's a beautiful place, and the Vex are really just there as protectors. And in fact, quite literally, we might be encroaching. And this has led to some theories myself about what the Vex's origin really was. That they are protectors. Um, I used to almost think that they at one point used to be protectors of the Traveler and something happened to them that they changed. But here, they actually call the Traveler being death. And so what it sounds like is that the Vex, you know, when you think about how old the Vex are, they might have seen what the Traveler's done in the past. Um, They might actually have the truth. And this is why I wanted to actually talk about this card, Mrs. Hyven, because this kind of, they are basically trying to point out what you've mentioned in the past, that the Traveler might have been good to us, but ultimately the Traveler is not a good being. Um, It is kind of in the same way, I've 
different games or story tropes talk about uh, not like light and dark, good and evil, but order and chaos. Um, it's not that chaos is inherently evil. It's no, but just Traveler's just out for itself. No, so I was just gonna say the the Traveler is kind of like order, whereas some of these other races prefer chaos. But that does not mean that they are good and evil. It is just two outlooks of looking on life. And that is yeah. also why Ulan, I mean, well, Ulantan, but also Pujari talks about symmetry. There's just opposites in the world. So the traveler sometimes might have good actions. That it does not mean that the traveler is inherently a good being individual. We have no idea what the traveler really is. And the only information we have about its past is going to a bunch of worlds that were in that were destroyed in the long run. Um, so what in the world this vision actually is is kind of interesting. Just the fact that he cuts himself in a vision and has a scar that never goes away, like that's pretty crazy in itself. Also, when this card first came out and he got himself cut on a thorn, people like freaked out because they thought there was going to be some lore implication to thorn and rose and all that right. kind of stuff. Didn't have that, but this was an old, old card. And there was a lot of fun speculation when it first came out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of my like rant on this whole thing. I love this card. Um, just the thing like, I keep drawing to, like my eyes keep drawing to, is the garden grows in both directions. It grows into tomorrow and yesterday. Yeah, I think that's just stressing that the garden always exists in all timelines. There is no like destroying the black garden. Right. But that's also why I think that um, the Vex are kind of someone to be believed because it's almost like they have somehow always existed. They because li- they literally wrote themselves into history. Where they their where their origin is, we don't really know. I used to think that they were like an origin of like the Traveler, like you know the whole Traveler's like a Dyson sphere and like the Vex came from out of it and all kinds of crazy stuff. You can get all kinds of insane with all that, but who knows where the Vex are, where they really came from? But they're like they're kind of here to stay. Granted, they've seen a time where they could be destroyed, which is why they are trying to prevent that, but Vex are no joke, guys. We thought the Hive were rough, but the Vex are more intense, in my opinion. A couple of what? What are you even saying over there? Jokes. Oh, sure, you can make some jokes if you want. I mean, considering how many juice box and milk jokes. So now let's move into our next, uh, it's actually a transcript from a, from a story mission. The Black Guardian. Garden. I said it kind of half. And we have multiple readers here. Um, so Mrs. Hyven is covering the ghost. I am covering the guardian. And Elmist will be our narrator. The heart of the black garden. Well, here goes nothing. Or everything. The guardian enters above a Vex ritual. Vex sense the light of the guardian. So think you can kill a god? Don't think I have a choice. The black heart shrouds Vex statues in darkness. The Vex surround and overwhelm the Guardian, but the Guardian retaliates. The black heart awakens the Vex statue. Eschaton, mind. The heart is bringing that statue to life. The Vex attack. The Eschaton, mind, is terminated. The heart is dying. Keep fighting them. The black heart awakens the Vex statue imminent mind and the vex attack the imminent mind is terminated and the black heart awakens vex statue primeval mind 
there is another Vex attack in heavy force. The primeval mind is terminated, and the black garden heart erupts. We're back on Mars. The shroud of darkness is lifting, the, and light returns to the traveler. The speaker is calling us home. I actually missed this mission. Right? This was this a is, fun mission. <clears throat> this was the last mission of the original story of D1. Vanilla D1. So um, this is... We took out the black heart that nobody ever knew what the heck it was, what we were doing, but we did it. And and the thing that I I loved is the fact that like the Vex are very methodical, they're very procedural, but they're knelt and praying to the the heart of the Black Garden. Yeah, so that's like, where we see like the worship kind of you know that they em- employed from the hive. Right, and it seemed very out of place at first and then we got the books of sorrow and the whole bit about kuria reading into their rituals and everything and then it started making sense we don't exactly know what the heart of the black garden is but it definitely kind of looks like a like a taken blight um which is why sometimes i tie it into it being the darkness in the same way that the hive worship the darkness um and it's so that the heart of the black garden is not entirely like, it's not solely Vex. In there, they were worshipping something otherly. Something somehow different or grander than them in some way. It makes sense because, you know, we only have records of the Vex worshipping, like, the worms or the deep. Basically, things that are linked to the hive in some way. So that's why I kind of always thought of this as... Um, being related to the hive and not being a solely a vex construct. Elmist? Well, now, could it be that they're they're worshiping the deep? Yeah, that's kind of what I think it thought of it as that light being like the true whatever the darkness is or the deep, like the ultimate sense of. I mean, the ultimate expression of it, not just like a subcategory, like the origin like, kind of thing. Because like I'm trying to think of any instance that we've seen Vex and Hive fighting each other. Mm, they do fight each other, but um, not like, what do, you, what do you mean? Just in general? Well, we know they fight each other. We have the whole Books of Sorrow of them fighting, but... Well, yeah, but like the Books of Sorrow was before they they worshipped whatever this black art, you know, the heart is. Yeah, no, I think they still... No, nah, I just can't think of what planets they're all on together. The Vex are like everywhere. Sure, they. Uh, I'm trying to think I where they move s- against. In D1, they we used to see them move against each other. We used to have, I thought, on a no. couple of planets, but the hive were only on Earth and the Moon. The Vex weren't on either of those. They were everywhere else, but they were never on the Earth or Moon. You know, I'm not really sure. I never really thought about that. I'm not really great with trying to remember what races are on which planets. I would imagine they would fight each other. There's no reason not to, but it's not like they tag team. But I see kind of what you're saying. They are... Because, like, if they're worshipping the Deep, then, like, I'm I'm trying to find a single instance that I've seen them fighting each other, and I can't think of anything. Except maybe... Look it up? <clears throat> except maybe um, the Word of Nothing Strike? Possibly? Um... Oh, there you like, go. You might be right. I typed in Vex fighting Hive D2, and the first thing that pops up is Reddit. Why do the Vex n- have 
Well, it's not really worded well. Why don't the Vex fight the Hive in the game in D2? I never even paid attention to that. Huh. Interesting. Maybe they've kind of both have they have similar goals at this moment, and we know how the Vex work. They have no reason to fight the Hive, and the Hive have realized that the Vex are more trouble than they're worth at this point. So. Well, and, and so now they're going like, to tie together in Shadow Keep too, which is really interesting. Right. Now we're going to see if, if this theory actually proves to hold weight or if it's... Uh... Yes. By the time you're listening to this, get ready for some of the expansion. Because we see that the the Avex are coming through a portal in the sky. Is that like because they've come to like fight the Hive or take advantage of something? Or do they have like similar motivations? We, we still don't even know exactly what the nightmares are. So you're right. I, I do love that this new deal, the new season ties the Vex and the Hive together really well. So get ready for some excitement. So I will be covering the Black Garden, the Grimoire card, instead of the story mission. At last, the heart of the garden has been destroyed, its stronghold on the Traveler released. Our light brightens, but the power of the Vex is not broken. Look into the vault, Guardian, for it is said to hold powers the progeny were meant to bring forth. Speaker. This is an interesting one, because it talks about how... um, the heart had a stranglehold on the Traveler, as in the Traveler did not have full power as long as the heart of the Garden was there. Um, so that makes me feel as if, you know, we have this scenario of, like, light and dark, you know, the yin and yang symmetry kind of thing. When the Traveler is by itself, it's got a full amount of light. However, when there's an aspect of darkness, you know, basically it's opposite there. They balance out, so the light is not able to have you know kind of like full full reign as you were so that's another reason why i think that the heart of the garden was something closer to whatever the origin of like the darkness kind of is and this is where we also get the introduction of the vault this is how we did our first raid i was about to say like this is where they start hinting at the vault of glass yeah that kind of covers all we had for the black garden in D1. We didn't really have a lot. We knew we went in there, we took out this heart, and that the Vex tended the garden, and that not a lot of people ever went in there. Um, honestly, the only re- recordings that we've, even in D2, had of anyone going in there are ourself and Aldrin and his buddy. Um, Julian. Yeah. I and just was going to give a name that people didn't know. Well, then maybe they know. You've read the story. You might know him. <laughs> Well, and even then, we didn't even know that Aldrin and his buddy went into the heart until Forsaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just very recently. So we are revisiting the original story in Shadowkeep. So this is pretty exciting. Well, I guess it's technically not Shadowkeep. It's whatever this first season. I, what did they did they say when like the season starts? Isn't it like on the first? Is it? Well, I know the season, but the the Vex portion of it. It made it sound like it was going to happen first. like after the raid or something like that. No, it's it's Shadowkeep is the mark of the DLC and the season. Yeah, I just don't think that they, I thought they said that I don't think we're going to have the Vex right away. I forget like they have their own event. I think I think what also, you're referring to is something completely different. Yeah, I but I think that's be the an actual activity. Exactly, it is. But I think that's when we're going to actually see the Vex for the first time. I know that the season starts right away, but as far as like 
the theme of the season because that's what the raid is supposed to be about. So I think we're probably going to play through the... I think you're going to have to play through... This is what I'm thinking. You have to play through the campaign portion of whatever Shadow Keep is. And then I think then it, that's when it's like, oh, the Vex drop. And then we have like whatever's going to kind of tie in to the raid, right? Because isn't the raid Garden of Salvation is this raid? So yeah. obviously they have to drop fairly fast, obviously, because the raid's Saturday. But I'm thinking maybe they'll make you play through the campaign first. Does that make sense? And then like actually, at the end of the campaign, the Vex will tie in? Actually, it's it's starting to look like... Because uh, I've pulled up the roadmap. It looks yep. like Shadowkeep is being released on the first, and the raid and the Vex offensive begins on the fifth. Yeah, so that's why. I, I mean, that's that so was I, what I was I thinking. I think you might be right with the fact that like the Vex, because on on the nineteenth of November it says mm-hmm. Vex offensive final assault. Yeah, yeah. So quite literally, I think that's it's the last like. Step. That's when we're gonna see all of the Vex invasions happen. So you might be right. Yeah, well, that's what I'm. I'm thinking. Of, I mean, I don't. I feel like they can't wait till Saturday to in, like be like, the Vex are here. Immediately go into a raid. I'm thinking like maybe halfway through the week or after we finish like the campaign and maybe like some strikes or something like that. Then all of a sudden like the portals in the sky is gonna open. We're gonna see those Vex drop out, and then it's gonna be like. They'll give us like that message that they've been doing lately, like Guardian, you know, go investigate the heart of the Black Garden, and blah blah blah. blah. Basically, like it'll give us the the call out to do the raid, and you know, after a team beats the raid, just like they did with Riven, you know, they'll say like, you know, the Vex showed up on the moon, a team of six Guardians went down and conquered them, blah blah blah, blah and now we see them like in the world, just like popping up all over the place. In the same way, like, you know, the Dreaming City started its cycle after the raid got finished. I think that might be what triggers the actual Vex invasions. Yeah. Is the raid yeah. completion. Yeah. Okay, so that's what I'm wondering. But either way, it's... That or the portal opening up for the Vex raid. Yeah, exactly. But that's the exciting thing. So look forward to, like, watching that. I might, you know, I might, I said I wanted to do the raid. I know I'm not going to be able to day one. I might end up just, like, watching a couple people and, uh, trying to get some of the lore out of it you know yeah yeah because i don't have a team to go in day one so i asked my usual xbox raid group and they're not keen on world first kind of i mean not world first we weren't going for world first but day day one rating all right well let's read our next card is having to be ready for that one this is an all hands on deck card all right well i will be playing zavala I am going to be reading for Ikora. And I'm Cade! <laughs> yeah. And I will just read the intro. We are starting to believe that time is home to the Vex. And somewhere in those unmappable voids dwell their undying minds. Maya Sundaresh. Fragmented entry 10,938. Ishtar Collective Archive. The reading. And you believe it's different than the others? I know it is. Let me guess. Chasing more Vex mines? The readings from nearby surges hold no time function. It could quite possibly be resealing the Black Garden back into whatever void it once hid. Any more hidden intel? Negative. Just some old Osiris riddles. They are starting to feel like the same thing. 
We cannot just ignore it. We have to keep the garden here, among the light. We are just beginning to match its pathways to this fractured data from the archive. Interesting. Undying, huh? What do you suppose they meant by that? I'll alert the speaker. Let's find out. I love how much, like, talk of, like, the speaker there is in D1. Because I came in in D2 when the speaker's all strung up by the cabal and then, you know, gone forever, basically. He was um, the head of the vanguard, kind of. Well, all dealings in the tower, technically. Yeah, but I just find it funny because it's like I really had no dealings with the speaker. So even yeah. now, as I listen to all the old Focus Fire chats, everybody's just talking about the speaker, the speaker, the speaker, because he was this big deal. And now he's just like nothing and never discussed again. It's weird. He's dead. Yeah. As far as we know. It's weird. He spoke for the Traveler. Never said that the Traveler spoke to him. Yeah, I will have to say the speaker got a lot of flack in D1. People were like angry at him for how he did things and all this and that. And people just and then a lot of theories about the, the speaker just evil and people just didn't like him. Right. But they gave him a pretty, like, awesome, like, death to it that day. And he was just, like, talking so much smack to Gaul on the console. Oh, I know. Was I awesome. did love it. I did love it. I was just like, speaker, mic drop, dude. You are the best right now. <laughs> right. All right. Well, what we see going on here is just more conversation of the Undying Mine. And it looks like they just recently found this entry from the Ishtar Collective Archive, and we're kind of just discussing it. Um, I thought that it was interesting that they talked about resealing the Black Garden versus um, keeping the garden here among the light. That totally kind of feels like the whole symmetry conversation, that like they need the garden to exist like in that timeline in order to keep like the, the flow of things, the balance. Um, yeah, well, and, and kind of an interesting then, part. Like, What's going on here? And even then, like that's specifically talking about how the Black Garden has been tethered or tied to Mars. Mm-hmm. Like it is a physical location on Mars now in D1. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's how we actually are able to enter it. We've actually had a portal to go there. Yeah, so that's kind of what they're talking about. The Guardian was kind of sectioned... I mean, the Black Garden was sectioned off for us for a long time, and then eventually it was tied to the physical realm. And so that's like Cora's mentioning that it needs to kind of, like, stay here, which we might regret in this new expansion now that the Black Garden is kind of just here. And it definitely looked like that little mini-trailer that uh, tons of X would just be flying out of that portal. So looks like some fun. Callie has feelings. Strongly. Hell of it, she tell her to quiet down. All right. So I'll move us on to Garden Progeny 1. <clears throat> Two siblings cleaved by time and space. Reflections never found alone. The ending of the Eldritch race. A path long seen but never known. This is one of Osiris's prophecies. Um, and. We left the lore tab off of this one because it didn't really pertain to the, the portion of the story that we're trying to tell. But we are going to see how that actually relates in the next card. All right, then. Well, then maybe we should just move right on. Because this, this one kind of by itself is... Uh, Cryptic and yeah. not very telling. <laughs> exactly. We just get it, just we know it has to do with the Garden Progeny. Yeah. <clears throat> so... Traveler's Judgment 5. 
a visitor ignites the sky, and in the truth of light it dreams. Above the dead and yet to die, a legion's blade with fire screams. How to interpret the lost prophecies? The theory in vogue right now with the followers of Osiris is that the first five verses refer to the Black Garden, the coming of Gaul, the Traveler's Awakening, and Gaul's subsequent defeat. It's a convincing interpretation, even conceding that prophecies are much easier to interpret in hindsight. There's just one thing. If Osiris used the Infinite Forest to develop his prophecies, and the Infinite Forest cannot accurately simulate light, how did Osiris predict the Traveler would wake? The forest's very inability to predict this very thing is what prevented Panoptes from breaking ground with its apocalyptic calculations. I must assume, one, either verse 5 does not refer to the Traveler's Awakening, or two, Osiris has prophetic resources at his disposal other than the forest. What they are, I have no idea. All right, so this is where we get a little bit of Osiris's researching into the Vex. And basically that Osiris has had, had lost prophecies, um, which is why some people, some people call him like crazy because they think he's just making stuff up. Um, you know, we see this like, oh, you know, interpretations are easy in hindsight. But basically, Osiris called out some events that were going to happen, whether or not he called them out perfectly and or maybe he just kind of was really vague and we put our own interpretation into it after uh, it came about, we see that we have like the discussion of Gaul, the Traveler's Awakening. And then the next question is, how is that possible since Panoptes himself, you know, a Vex that was trying to make a simulation, couldn't succeed because the Infinite Forest could not simulate the light of the Traveler. So what in the world happened here? Either that's not what Osiris was referring to, or he's got something that somehow simulates light or gives him more information. And that's where it says they have no idea. So regardless, we don't know where in the world Osiris is, what exactly he's up to, what he's doing. But he's got prophecies that are somehow they're tied to the Vex and somehow more powerful than even the Vex can handle. So kind of interesting. Yeah. And the reason we left this Lord Tab in is because it it clearly well, not clearly, but it showcases that the first verse is talking about the Black Garden. You know, Garden Progeny 1. Two siblings cleave by time and space. Reflections never found alone. Like, we can dive into all kinds of spin foil theories about this. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's, these were, these were what? These are the, the weapons that we yes. crafted. Um, in Curse of Osiris, and they each have their own lore discussion. And basically, they go into like the different prophecies of Osiris. And basically, we tie this in because we see that the first five verses refer to, well, a variety of things, but at the very beginning, at least referring to the Black Garden. So all of his prophecies about what was to come all stemmed from the Black Garden as its origin. So... Just keep that in mind. Even Osiris kind of talks about everything originating from the Black Garden. I find that quite interesting. I look forward to learning a little bit more about what in the world's actually going on there. Yeah. All right. I don't have anything else to add on that. It's still cryptic at this point. Yeah, I don't have anything either. All right. All right. Our next card is Pantheon. And uh, 
This is a location. Take not for granted what you cannot see. What it is was not always and may not ever be. Area designation, Pantheon. Location, Black Garden, Mars. Deep in the endless channels of Black Garden, an ancient vexed temple sits high on a plateau, buzzing with anomalous messages, fearing that the minds would live within seek to return. Fearing that the minds which live within seek to return, the crucible has set up shop here to master the ins and outs of Vex-controlled landscapes and keep watch should any Vex find a way back. Yeah. Um, Interesting, right? And, and, and we have a Grimoire card later on that talks a bit more about this. Um, but, like, essentially, the Crucible was set up so that we can run around their, their landscapes and be a f- first warning. Yeah. And this just made me think of like something I guess we shouldn't mention. You know, we kind of talked about, I think I talked about before how in D1, we kind of were like, the opening disappeared to the heart of the Black Garden. Uh, we still have like references to the Black Garden, if that makes sense. Like the heart of the Black Garden was where we went and fought whatever that darkness blob was. However, the Black Garden as a whole is still now, as we mentioned, just it's like a physical area you can go to now. It's just kind of here. So we see that in D1, we actually just kind of set up shop. It wasn't an active part of the Black Garden, but uh, this area of the Black Garden was kind of just somewhere that mines had been before that we cleared out. We turned it into a, a map. Um, and this is also a map that was remade in Destiny 2. And I forget where that map is. Is it, is it still in the Black Garden? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I well, forgot. It's been a long point, time how... since I've looked out and viewed pretty background well because at this point like how many places can have that that black Deal. garden drop you know backdrop yeah well that's why i honestly when they remade this map i don't even think i paid attention to the backdrop now i need to go look at it and see if it's what i remember it to be all those all the flowers off in the distance kind of thing uh, i don't remember what it's called now either do you remember i'm pulling it up yeah it used to be mars Oh, apparently the new one is located in the Infinite Forest. Okay, that's what I thought. It's supposed to be a simulation of... Because they made it seem like we couldn't get back in... Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I forget what the map's called, but yeah, I do remember. It it is different looking. So it's in the Infinite Forest now. So technically it's a simulation. We're not actually in the Black Garden anymore. Interesting. So this might be the first time we've entered into the Black Garden since Destiny 1. In this new DLC. First time back in there. Pretty exciting, guys. Gonna do some gardening. Alright, you wanna move into our next card? Alright, I'll be covering the Grimoire card, The Taken. From the journals of Ikora Ray. I've been talking to Eris about The Taken. She agrees that what we observe, the apertures, the starlight, and of course, the Taken entities, is not Hive magic. If Hive Arcana is a metaphor, this is the meaning. If they make appeals, then this is the judge. Oryx wields this power, but Oryx did not make it. We face the same flower we met in the Black Garden. Oh, so here we go. This is a tie to the Taken. Oryx having the same power to make the Taken as we saw in the Black Garden with the, I don't know, they call it the flower, but basically that heart, that, that blight that we took out. 
Um, so once again, there's that tie-in. As we talked about them worshiping kind of the same thing. They're gaining that power by worshiping the deep. So whatever really kind of is the... Whatever originates the Black Garden is the same kind of thing that the Hive are, are dealing with. And now I've got all kinds of thoughts now that we've talked about the Hive and the Vex never right. fighting each other in game and stuff like that, man. And right. the tie-in coming. I'm looking forward to Shadowkeep even more. We're just days away. Well, for the listeners, you're just hours away. But, yeah, it's going to be amazing. I'm so hyped. All right. Now I have another short one. Tenebrous Tunnels. Um, this is just, once again, a little snippet. It just says, uh, Ghost, when we destroyed the heart, we locked the garden to the surface of Mars. All the Taken had to do was walk through the front door. See, now my thing is, uh, okay, I'm working through this thought. Because, <laughs> like, I, I originally was like, well, if the heart of the Black Garden is the same oh. thing as the Taken, yeah, then why would they need to actually break in, you know, force their way into the Black Garden? But then it occurred to me, oh, because we killed the heart of the Black Garden. Mm -hmm. So there's no more deep connection in the the Black Garden, which is why the the Taken had to actually force their way in. And also just the fact that uh, before we destroyed that, the Black Garden would just kind of move? It you know it was kind of it was not locked to any space or time, and once yeah. we basically we kind of took out. I mean, obviously the Vex are still paracausal. We took out like the paracausal ability of like the Black Garden. Imagine it's like a, a spaceship and you blew up the uh, the engine or one of the drives that allowed them. You know, like for like you know, you, you any any type of vehicle basically. We blew up the engine, and uh, they're kind of stuck where they were last, which happened to be Mars. So, and then of course we see the Taken breaking their way in having some link to the Black Garden. So we're just once again, man, we see another tie to the darkness, to the yep. Taken, to the Black Garden. Yeah. All right, so let's move into our next card, Ghost Fragment Pantheon. So I will be reading the introduction report. Mrs. Hyven is the U1 reader, or the hunter, and Elemist is U2, the Titan type. Post-match report. Parties. Two, one guardian type class hunter u1 one guardian type class titan u2 associations black garden the uh, mars crucible lord shacks antheon vex audio unavailable transcript follows we're the backup plan if the vex decide to start growing more trouble in the garden any given match there's 12 of us tops the vex recommit to gardening darkness who says we've got enough guns to stop them? Stop them? Pretty sure our deaths are just meant to be the early warning system. Comforting. <laughs> you look like you're itching to say something, Hyman. Nope. This is just off of what just Elemis was just talking about. We were just talking about how the in Pantheon card, just how the us being in the Black Garden was kind of just a war, early warning system for uh, in case the Vex came back through there. And I just think it's hilarious that even the Guardians themselves are like, there's 12 people in a Crucible match, 12 Guardians at all times. Could we fight off the Vex? Would we be all right? And the other guy is just kind of like, that's not what we're, that's not what we're there for. <laughs> we're, we're, we're there. There'd be a body count. <laughs> I, 
I would argue that 12 Guardians is a pretty good uh, early warning system, though. I think they could probably fight off some. We but... freaking we freaking go in and just, like, obliterate, like, the Vex by ourselves. Six of us went in and conquered the whole Vault of Glass. But Even, that's okay, us. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I think 12 based, standard level <laughs> Guardians could probably fend off enough to get out of there and give a report. But now, see, that's us. Like, the first Vault of Glass team, totally annihilated. Only three of them, and they provided us the way of beating the, um, the Vault, only though. Because, only because the other three have been erased from history. We don't know what happened to them. Look at maybe the Ishtar Collective shirt. I know, I love that. But maybe they only, maybe there were <laughs> only ever three, guys. Maybe there were only ever three. Sure, sure. The first Court of the Fire team. Six went down into the pit. Only one came out. And she's like, mental. This was early on. Hey, you, you be know? nice to Aerith. She's been through some stuff. <laughs> I'm just, I've I'm come just to saying. feel for her. Twelve normal level I'm, guardians. I think they'd be they'd be all right for a while. I don't think that this I'm was just saying made that, like, to kill them all. See, uh, like I'm just saying that, like saying that. Oh, because they're guardians, they'll be all right. Yes. Just twelve but, of them. I think should be able to handle a couple of X for a little bit. The other thing is like. That Savathun song mission. That was a fire team of nine. And they still failed. No, those were three fire teams. Three. They weren't coordinated. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're right. Well, you're right. The miss, it actually says fire team of nine. They just, that's different. But I'm just saying, it was. it's not like a full on, they're going to a full on raid. It's, kind of, it's the early warning system. They see some Vex appearing. Yeah. They start fighting back, you know. It'll be all right. Yeah. I don't think we're going to... Although, we lost Pantheon, didn't we? Hmm. Mostly because the new one is in the Infinite Forest, and we don't have access to Pantheon anymore. That's just what I'm saying. Like, Lorem-wise, what happened to Pantheon? <laughs> Maybe the best came back. And I think a lot of that is because of the Red War. Yeah. We just we lost... Were, we weren't we able were so to... so busy with fighting the cabal that we just let our hold on the black garden lapse yeah but that's curious though if we haven't been there for this full this time has it refilled is that why we were not able to reclaim it i think that's what the new expansion is covering is what's been going on in the year or so we've been out of the black garden more than a couple years yeah it's been like three or something like that two i guess we were there for pantheon so it'll be almost yeah all right. All right. I'm ready to move on. All right. I will be covering Ghost Scan The Tangle, Nessus number three. And this is veteran dialogue. So if you played D1, you got this dialogue. Ghost. If I'm reading this right, there are other gardens, like Black Garden Gardens. I couldn't tell if they were being built or were already destroyed. What does it mean? Here we go. This is the whole thing about, like, Pujari's vision of the Vex tending the garden. This is just, like, theorizing that there are other gardens that the Vex have set up. Maybe, for all we know, an infinite number of gardens for infinite level of possibilities. And we have only just scratched the surface by tying one to the material universe. Very terrifying. Can we take a moment and just appreciate the fact that the Vex, mechanical beings, name their stuff after, like, plant life? 
That's true. The garden, the infinite forest. Like, it's kind of ironic to me. Like I said, they're gardeners. They're keepers of the garden. It's interesting. You know, the other point is, Gargs couldn't tell if they were being built or already destroyed. Do Are they only ever tending to one garden at a time? When one's gone, they move on? Or maybe the Black Garden was the first, and they're building from there to expand themselves. So that's something that we don't really know. Or, because we know that the Vex are beings of time, what if they're accessing the same Black Garden, but at different that's time point. points? I was just about to say, maybe they're just different realities. Or maybe we are just living in the uh, the timeline where the Garden exists and succeeds and the ghost was able to see some of the other simulations or timelines where the vex kind of fell so the fact that we have the black garden just shows that we are living so far in the timeline where the vex exist or survive does that make sense um yeah so that's pretty interesting i think i think the vex are kind of just trying to get in our heads a little bit man right all right. Our next part is pilgrimage. Harbingers seclude flowers. Shirochi. Pink asphodelia. It's a cultivated strand said to descend from the flowers in Black Garden. Among our people, Prince Aldrin was the first to walk the garden and the first to bring these back. So we actually have the flowers from the Black Garden. On the Dreaming City. And so this is where I broke Elemis in some of our discussion the other day. Keep in mind, Prince Aldrin brought back some of the flowers, actual flowers, from the garden. As being the first, they planted in the Dreaming City. These flowers are mentioned. These are used to, create, to craft a queen's foil. And how interesting is it that a flower from the Vex is used to make a potion or tonic that takes us into the hive's ascendant realm. It broke me at first, but then, like, with all the other connections that we've made today, then yeah. I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't break my mind anymore. Yeah, that's kind of what got us down some of this stuff, though, because it's once again, you know, it, it, you think back to the books of sorrow, how Crota slashed a hole through like space time, and the Vex popped out. What, where, they're, they're like two worlds. Their paracausal abilities are like side by side. They cross over in some way. So I think basically it's you're you're able to harvest. They both harvest the same power, just as like the way you channel it. In the same way a guardian has different um, subclasses and supers based on how they channel the light. So basically they were able to harness this quite possibly darkness into to different ways. So it's just very interesting. Once again, the tie between the hive and the vex. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. You ready to bring it home? Time for the final card. This is the Season of Undying Trailer dialogue. And it's Ikora Ray speaking. We say that the Black Garden is the birthplace of the Vex. But it was not the beginning. It was the reason. The life in the Garden called out a question. The Vex are the answer. They will do anything to protect the Garden. In these things... There is symmetry. The gateways have opened. The Vex are coming. So I never really, I was just, you know what? I'm just now starting to kind of put this together based off like the Pujari cards and you talking about like the gardens and the 
infinite force and all that stuff. What this is sounding like is that the Black Garden was not the birthplace of the Vex, as Akora said. No, the Black Garden existed in its own, something called, and the Vex materialized from wherever they are from and claimed the Black Garden as their own. It's very interesting. Yeah. So we kind of always thought about how the Black Garden was created by the Vex. No, no, no. It's saying this is not where the Vex originated. Whatever life, whatever created the Black Garden, called out and the Vex answered. And that's what we see in the trailer, the Vex being the Radioloria is flowing through these mechanical bodies and starting them all up. Next thing you know, they start coming through the portal into the Black Garden. So I find that very interesting. What in the world is the Black Garden if it's not a Vex construct? Where does it originate? Yeah. And I think that's the ultimate question, is what in the world's really going on? Like I said, the the Vex for me are just kind of like tender, it's not the best word, keepers or caretakers of this area. And they're just there because that's kind of what they do. In the same way, that's what Pujari saw them as. Um, yeah, man, I'm curious to see where that came from. Oh, yeah. I hope we get some answers, man. This was the trailer, so hopefully this is a little bit of hype. Uh, I can't imagine what the in game is going to be like. I'm just hoping that the lore books are even better. Oh, yeah. We have no uh, idea what the lore books are going to be. We've only seen ties to the whole Eris thing um, with the, the previews about what Eris has been doing while, you know, she's been gone. But we have no idea really what's going on with the Vex. So I'm most excited about this new season, man. Season of Undying. Going to be awesome. Spin foil theory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like it. What if the Black Garden ends up becoming a uh, end game destination like the Dreaming City? Yeah. And the actual NPC for it is Aldrin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes back to the garden. Interesting. Like, I know it, it wouldn't happen, but I'm sitting here going, that would be interesting. Or, or Julian. That would be. I don't think Julian. He hated being there. He just wanted to leave. Yeah. Yeah, this could but be really interesting. But I mean, if he's there, and we know to then honor the memory of Aldrin. Maybe, but you know, the Black Garden is not entirely tied to the Awoken. They kind of just encroached on it once or twice. Yeah. I don't see them being the vendors. I mean, that would be very interesting. <laughs> we'll see if we get to go back, or if it's just going to be like missions, because you know they've talked about how seasons are going to tie up. Because they can't forever extend the game. But that would be kind of cool. Yeah. You know, if it, if it's anything like, if this is any, I know it's not supposed to be quite as big as Forsaken, but remember, Forsaken, we got the Tangled Shore and the Dreaming City. So maybe we're going to get the Moon and the Black Garden. That would be pretty awesome. I like it. And All that's right, what man. I was thinking. But like, we'll find out in a couple hours. Well, you guys will. We have to wait a little while. Yeah. I'm just going to go farm. And spare rations to pass the time and reckoning because it's heavyweight and the right boss this week. So why don't we move into shoutouts? Elemis, you have some shoutouts to get us started with? Yeah. Shout out to my co-hosts. Uh, you know, Hyven is always a pleasure to to work with. And he's been helping me with, with some of these shout notes because like the episode today and last week and the week before, these were all like pulled from D1 or pulled from multiple sources and we had to figure out where exactly they all fit and so Hyven's been a big help with that. 
And shout out to Mrs. Hyven because she was having a rough night last night. And I know she's going to appreciate this when she listens back to the episode. Yeah. Sometimes Sunday recordings are nice, but it usually happens when something happens on Saturday that we're not able to record. Yeah. Go I was going to shout out to you for us taking normally your editing Sunday morning. So being so kind as to, you know, I wasn't able to give you an answer for what time we were recording yesterday. Hey, we both just kind of went to sleep. So we apologize um, it's all good. for not giving you a heads up. But um, and for always editing, taking your editing time this morning. And yeah, and also, of course, to the fact that you do these show notes every week and we appreciate it so much. And yeah, I'm, we're going to try to do, make this a thing. I mean, Elmas kind of just going over everything um, every week before so that we can even better cover everything. Books, it's not as big of a deal because, you know, you just copy and paste the book and we read it. But um, I think we're going to be doing more of these little, well, granted, I don't know. I can't I can't claim that because I know <laughs> they've got a lot of books to cover and Bungie's probably going to drop more. But when we oh, they better. catch when we get a little bit of a catch up on some of the books, I think we're going to start going into some of the, the broader topics and the discussions. So um, shout out for Elmist to be there and help me have some fun with some of our discussions and our theory crafting while we prepare for the episodes. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's always fun. And of course, to my other co-host, a.k.a. my wife, Mrs. Hyven, for always keeping us on track and being so great, keeping a... The questions and the the interactions with our their fans because I know I would suck at that so um, oh, yeah. and then shout out to uh, who, who somebody sent us an email that had a question that I know we not were, Arf yes shout out to not Arf for getting me to have to think during my lunch break and start like looking up references while I'm in the passenger seat of the drive-through of Arby's and just like writing you a very long-winded answer to your question. Uh, hopefully that was beneficial <laughs> to you, but it was really nice to kind of have to just have somebody ask a question that we could kind of just go off on some of our lore tangents on. So thanks for putting up with us, and thank you to all our fans who give us so much love and have been commending us and telling us that we could grow to such a... People think that we could grow and be good <laughs> in a, a, a stable part of this lore community. So... Appreciate that love. Stable? I'm not stable. You're stable. They think we are. <laughs> if they think we are, it's okay. Shout out to Mrs. Hyven. Yes, just one to Lazarus the Lich. Um, I saw this week on Twitter that he is celebrating his five-year wedding anniversary. So shout out to you. Congratulations. And I hope you guys had a nice special little date or just did something special to mark the occasion. For sure. Definitely. That's all I got. Oh, I actually do have one more. A shout out to uh, Python Kitty. They have, because I uh, play a little Destiny with them the other day and had a swell time doing some Iron Banner. First first person I've played with on PC, so appreciate it. It was a nice time to not be playing Crucible by myself all the time. Mm-hmm. On PC. I have friends on Xbox if I just turn it on. <laughs> but that's my problem. Ishtar <laughs> Collective... You forgot to shout out Ishtar yeah. Collective. Oh, how dare I? Especially this week. As they always. hate you now. What? Why? Why you because that's didn't. twice in a row. I mean, hey, this especially for this episode, because this was a lot of the grimoire from uh, yeah. D1 that was a lot harder to, to find, so we had to research and kind of click around. You know, it's been a good 
good chunk of time just surfing Ishtar Collective looking for specific cards we were trying to reference. So definitely. Oh, yeah. All right. And, well, and now next week we get back to our regularly structured episodes. That's right. All right, then. Well, I guess it's time to sign off and for you guys to sign on Destiny. Enjoy that Shadow Keep, guys. It is going to be exciting. And everyone is going to be very busy. So if you find time to listen to us, let's be honest, people listen to us at work most of the time, I think. But those couple people who I've heard say listen to us while they play, hope this is a nice introduction into Shadowkeep. And I hope you guys are all having a blast. Be nice to each other, Guardians. Um, But as far as reminders are concerned, always hit us up on Twitter and our email, guardians underscore lore and guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. Keep leaving us, leaving us those reviews. We really, really love them. And ask for any type of critiques or things that you guys think we could improve on so we can always grow the show. And if we do something different and you like it, let us know. And if you don't, let us know. Um, that's all I got. Guardians of Lore uh, signing off. Actually, one last reminder. Oh, okay, okay. Let's get it. So this is episode 40. For episode 50, we want to do, you know, Get to know your podcasters. So send us questions. We're building that bank. Yes, and I will start tweeting about that as well. To is get that what we're doing? 50 episodes or is it our one year? 50. 50 episodes, right? Okay. When's our one year? Isn't it like October? October 17th like, or something like that. Yeah. And you're going to be out of town. So like... <laughs> That'll be the week I'm probably like not going to be on the recording. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Great one year anniversary. Right. Yeah. So, guys, yeah, send us questions. So, I have to talk about myself for an episode. If you don't have any questions, we'll think of something else. All right. We should sign off now. All right. Just a bit. Take care. Goodbye, Guardian. Yeah. Thumb, thumb, thumb. Goodbye. Those legal snags, don't worry about them. You guys got it. <laughs> Ooh, Vex milk. I love your poo jar I don't know why, but I skipped over problematic words when I looked at everything. <laughs> like calories. Calorous. Cal- Calorous. It's like Polaris, only it's Calaris. Calorous. It's not like Clorox, that's for sure. (laughs) I just heard you. I hate you all. Would you start already? Today's episode is sponsored by Geico. Um, (laughs) Funny funny enough, that actually stands for Government Employee Insurance Company. Well, we have a government... Are you a government employee? Kind of? Used to be. So, there we go. We're sponsored now. That's how it works, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) I work for the government because I make them museum exhibits and like for national parks and government buildings. Does that count? <clears throat> Look, if we could get sponsored by Geico, it would be wonderful. So I'm just plugging, you know. My dad gave me this mug. I don't even know where he bought it. I'd this. much rather be sponsored by Pop Tarts. Oh, Pop Tarts and Panera. So if you want to <laughs> sponsor us, then 
That's you're about to lose your hosting privileges. Have you ever hosted with right. you before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but only one of us is allowed to be like this. And I okay. already called dibs a long time ago. And remember okay. what we said? When we start recording, we start recording. Because all we're doing Weird. right now is giving Elemis bloopers. Cut scrape on my arm. That is like right where I have to slide my arm back around when I hit my oh, mouse. He cares. Oh my god. Hyvin is Mrs. Hyvin for this episode. I just figured I'd tell you. I didn't get to talk. <laughs> Look, I sat, at, oh, I sat in my room <laughs> watching Letter Kenny in the dark all night last night. It's been drinking beers. So. Oh, you're just a bunch of spare yeah, parts, aren't you? Yeah, but now it's 10.30 a.m. in the morning. You have oh, no beers and no Letter Kenny in you. So <laughs> act like it. <laughs> That's why. That's what's wrong. I need some eggs. I'm not kidding. All right. <clears throat> if you would stop talking, I would start. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, we look good in silver. Speaking of two guys, a girl, and a podcast. I got a cup here. They're so annoying. This is why we don't record at 1030 in the morning. This is my fault, you guys. What What do we yeah. even call this? Make-believe? First tangent? I, I don't know. Of the night? I didn't make this tangent. You did. I said Mrs. Hyvin. Oh, you've just been getting on me telling me I wasn't going to be able to host tonight because I was crazy. But anyway, now that we are derailed. <laughs> All right. Well, if that. No, oh, I have a listener. Oh, oh, takes you into, not takes you. Okay, yeah. sweet, sweet, sweet. No, sweet. I Sorry. have one. Sorry, I have one. Sorry, you got me down the rabbit hole. I'm looking up stuff on Exos now. <laughs> anyway. A minute. Imminent. Imminent. Yeah, I was like, imminent-imminent-imminent. The soul imminent. <laughs> yeah, Don't hurt yourself, again. kid. Hey, baby. No, stay laying down. Kona's got the worst gas right now. Oh, my God. Really, comes. Really? Guys, the thermostat is on 69. Perfect temperature. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. <clears throat> Who's reading next? Um, you. Me. Me? Again? Me, no. me, me, me. Let me just wash this food out of my mouth before I read. I don't want to just be like nasty up on the podcast. It's one thing we, we will never have that. eating on this podcast. Now Elmis is going to edit in me chewing. Just, to piss, <laughs> just so I have to listen to the old ep- the whole episode just to find it and get angry. Elmis <laughs> is just going to like really oh, slosh around some yogurt in his mouth oh, and edit God, that in. No. It's going to be like the very last thing before the end of the episode guys there's a new feature on skype that's schedule a call we could schedule it so it rings at 8 30 every saturday all right i think i am ready to read uh legend the black guardian that's not exactly that's not at all what that says sorry guardian why do i keep doing that calling it that (laughs) he's in the black garden we don't have Black Guardians yet. Right? Dark Racist. Guardian. Dark Guardian. All right. Um, and he basically... Wait, yeah, we do. Ikora is black. That, that's why I said Dark Guardian. <laughs> that's not what he's talking about. So it's Saladin. Oh, my Wait, God. Wait, if you pick humans, can you can pick you whether or not it's white or black? Yeah. Sorry, go. I I picked Awoken. You can change the color of your Awoken, too. I don't remember that. Because you just kind of probably didn't pay attention. I changed her hair and eyes and face markings, but I don't remember getting to change the depth of her blue. That's because usually when I try to show you all the little details of a game and explain things to you, you just go, yeah, 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 I just want to do it myself. That's like when really I try to explain boring. weapons to you and like how the game works, you know. 
<laughs> you're so boring. Anyway, well, thank you for this me. is a very interesting point. You see the Black Guardian, he talks about stretches into past and tomorrow. The Black Guardian, the Black Garden encompasses all God. of time. You guys are distracting me. I'm trying to like make go this black. point. Never go back. Anyway, this is a card I really wanted to talk about. Can we focus for a moment? Maybe. If you can say it right. Oh, much better. Ugo knew that going to the bathroom could relieve you. All right. I'm pretty sure that that's the best feeling you could have. It's just that, that relief. The best feeling? Yeah. Might be right. Pop-Tarts! Yes! We all are having Pop-Tarts. Tarts is totally going to sponsor. Okay, you guys ready to get back in? Yep. Finish this puppy off. Okay, so let's move on to our next not card. Uh, your, whatever your crackling was coming through. Sorry. And so we don't exactly know what it is, the, orig- the actual heart of the Black Guardian. Um, it kind of looks like a, um, did I say Guardian again? You laugh at me? My goodness, I keep doing this. We don't know what the, I don't know why, I've never had this issue before, and now all of a sudden I can't say the word Garden. It's supposed to be a simulation of, because they made it seem like we couldn't get back into the Black Guardian right now. Black Garden, why do I keep doing that? Someone just destroyed me. I need to be remade. All right, you want to move into our next card? As long as you can stop saying Black Guardian. Maybe. <laughs> why? <laughs> oh, man, the Black Guardian. Just FYI for the, for the people listening, we are not racist. I don't know why I keep saying that. So she is going to be... I know we just have her as U1, but what is that? That is the hunter. hunter. Yeah, she's going to be the hunter. And you'll be the Titan! <laughs> like, I know it's not... Planned. Planned that way. But it worked. But it's amazing. Maybe she did plan it that way. Who knows? Whoa, Kona, how'd you get in here? Aren't you staying here for a card? So I know you didn't plan it this way, but I love the fact that I'm the Titan. <laughs> Definitely didn't have any intention. Oh, uh, sure, sure. Wink, wink. I don't even know what these mean. 